Hallelujah. He kept you in your right mind. That is a blessing. So I'm saying, Lord, I am blessed. And I thank God for his blessing over my life. Amen. Again, we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're looking at verse 1, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And the word says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to be receptive to what you have to say in these few fleeting destiny moments. Allow your word to push us towards promise, Lord, to illuminate the path of destiny that you have designed for each and every one of us. And most of all, Lord, do not allow us to leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want to talk to you for a few moments from the thought out of position. Say that with me. Say out of position. When I think of being out of position, I begin to think about us perseverating, as they say, or focusing on those things that might hold us back from our past. Things in our past that we should have let go, but yet because we hold on to those things, we find ourselves out of position. And to talk about being out of position, sometimes that doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. It just means you're not in the right position. Let me clarify that. Sometimes you might be in the right place. Some of us take out of position, meaning we need to go somewhere else. But sometimes it's not that you need to go somewhere else, but sometimes you're just in the wrong position. I'll tell you, just, just as my wife will tell you that I'm, I'm, really, uh, I'm really focused, I can get focused on one thing. A lot of times when I'm driving, I'll just be honest with you, and some of you are the same, so don't, don't, don't you poo-poo what I do. Sometimes I'm thinking about something else, and I'm not thinking about the fact that I'm driving because it's just so automatic. You drive, and you, you've done it too because you've drove. You're like, I don't even remember making that turn. I don't even remember how I got here. I don't even remember driving to work. But it becomes so automated. It's just like your body goes on autopilot, and you're doing it. And while I'm doing it, I might be thinking about something else. Well, sometimes I'm driving, and I'm, I'm trying to get to where I'm going, and I'll get behind a certain car. And then I'll realize after breaking my thought process, I was like, I've been behind this car for a while. Well, in my mind, if I had been more attentive or in the right position, I would have noticed that this car that's in the fast lane is just going slow. But I wasn't paying attention. I was thinking about other things. I wasn't in the right position to just look that if I just looked around, I could go the other way. It's not that I was in the wrong place. It's simply that I was in the wrong position. If you remember that when God spoke through the prophet to, to, to Jehoshaphat, and he told him, uh, that he said, you, you do not have to fight in this battle. The battle is not yours, but it is the Lord's. But he also gave them further instructions. He said, stand ye here on the hill. I want you to stand in a certain position so that you can see that we're fighting the battle on your behalf. So it's not that they were in the wrong place. It's just that they needed to occupy the right position. And sometimes we're in the right place we're simply not in the right position. To give context to this text, I want you to remember when he's talking about, I, 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 I have rejected Saul. Why are you continuing to mourn for him? 
Remember that it was not God's idea to give Israel a king in the first place. Israel pleaded and begged God for a king. In fact, God was a little offended by that, and so was Samuel. But God told Samuel, don't you be offended. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're saying that they need a man, a person, to be king over them. So then when Saul messed up, and some of you remember when Saul messed up, Saul went and decided that he was going to offer the sacrifices when he, did, he was not authorized to offer the sacrifice. He was supposed to wait on Samuel, but because he got ahead of himself and, got, and decided to do what thought he had enough uh, uh, position, thought he was important enough to do whatever he wanted to do, he offered the sacrifice. And remember, these are the words that we often remember from that story is that God said, is, it, is the bleeding of lambs or the sacrificing of lambs, lambs more important than obedience? But he said, obedience is greater than sacrifice. We get that scripture out of Saul's disobedience. So when Saul had gotten to the point where he was disobedient to God, God rejected him and decided then that he was going to anoint another king over Israel. So hence we come to our text here. God has rejected Saul. Saul is still alive. He's just a dead man walking. He's not dead. Samuel is mourning him as if he has died. He, he didn't die. He's just a dead man walking because God had rejected him and he had moved on. And some of you can understand that because you're in dead situations and you recognize it's dead. You recognize it's already over. It just hasn't been made official. Come on, talk to me. Some of y'all are in jobs that you know you're not going to stay in. It's just a matter of whether you quit first or they fire you. But it's, you already know it's over. You've already quit in your head. In fact, you've already practiced your speech on how you're going to quit. Don't talk to me. <laughs> because you already know that it's over. It just hasn't been made. Somebody point your name and say, it's just not official. Some of you have been in relationships that you knew were over. Come on, talk to me. You know, this, isn't, this ain't going to last long. I'm just trying to find the right words to say because you don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, you want to say something like, it's not you, it's me. You, know, you want to you ease the, the, the you want to put a little pillow under when they fall so they don't hurt so bad. But you already in your mind know that it's over. They're dead man walking. They just don't know it. But in your mind, it is already over. That's the situation that we find Samuel in. God was telling him, Samuel, it's, it's done. I've already rejected Saul. I don't care how long you cry. I don't care how long you mourn. You can get in your sackcloth and ashes and put, you can, you can put the coal of the burnt embers on your head if you want to. I'm not changing my mind. It's already over. And he's telling him this because sometimes we, we feel abandoned when we have our pity party. And, and often people will tell you that God doesn't attend pity parties. It's not that God is rejecting your invitation to the pity party. It's that God has already moved on. And you're left in a place where God no longer is. Uh, I, want to, I want you to absorb that for a minute. It's not that God is specifically not wanting to attend your pity party. It's just that you've stayed in a place from whence he's already moved. And that's what God is telling Samuel right here. He's saying, you're out of position. You're in a place where I no longer am. I am no longer on the side of Saul being king of Israel. I've moved on from that place, and I will not return. God is not a man that he would lie or the son of man that he should repent. I'm not going back to that place. So Samuel, as long as you're in that place, you're by yourself. And I'm just trying to signal the alarm for somebody who's in a place that you're by yourself because God is no longer there. 
And, and it's not that God didn't God abandoned you. You didn't follow him. He, you, when he moves, you need to move. He moved and you didn't move. God didn't abandon you. You just weren't paying attention. You weren't in the right position. And now you find yourself alone in a place from whence God has already moved. Samuel was, Samuel was not dead, but God had already moved on. So what God is saying to Samuel in this text is why are you mourning something that you no longer need? And I want, to, I want that thought to sit on you for a moment. Am I in my personal life, am I mourning over something that, God, that I no longer need? Am I mourning over something that God is not in? If God's not in it, if he never was in it, if he's moved on from it, then why am I mourning in this place? Why am I allowing this situation to hold me? Because some of us, even while you think you're holding on to your past, that your past is holding on to you. It's holding you in a place from whence God has already moved. But we need to get back to our position. How do we get back? How do we, how do we, when we have found ourselves in a place that God no longer occupies, how do we get back to our position? The first thing I want to tell you is, baby, dry your face. Dry your, dry your face. And I feel that in my spirit because I know God has told somebody that in this building right now. He's told you to dry your face. There's no more need, no need to continue to cry in the place where you are, to cry in a place from whence I have moved. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, dry your face. Do God is telling Samuel, I'm not there anymore. So why are you crying over a situation that I have rejected? You're crying over things that you no longer need. And I want you to evaluate for a moment. Did I, do I really need the thing that I'm mourning over? Do I really need it? Do I really, is this really a place where I, want, I need to shed tears? Is it really? Is it fruitful for me to shed tears in this place? Why cry over a car that's being repossessed if you couldn't afford it? It obviously was a financial burden on you. Why are you crying over something that brought you pain, that brought you frustration? Why, why, are, you, why are you crying over losing a job that you hated? Come on, let's, let's be real this morning. You, hate, you, you, you complained about that job every day you were on it. Every day, every day you walked in. Had your meanest mug face on every time you walked in because you were frustrated and mad. And now you're going to shed some tears <laughs> because they laid you off. Come on now. Why are you mourning and crying over something that only brought you pain? Why are you crying over a relationship that never made you happy? Losing a, losing a relationship, and sometimes, let's be real about it, you're not crying because you missed the relationship, you're frustrated because somebody else ended it. There's, there's a difference. You need to evaluate your own feelings. Are you really upset that the relationship is over, or are you frustrated because it wasn't your idea? <laughs> we, need, we need to be able to distinguish those feelings. 
Just because it wasn't your idea to end it doesn't mean it's not a good idea. You just didn't choose it. The same with the job. Just because the job is now over, is now over and they let you go, that doesn't mean that it's not a good decision. That doesn't mean that you can't move on from that and be happier than you were when you were in it. Because God knows I'm old enough to know that sometimes you can experience addition by subtraction. Come on now. Some people, are, some people make you happy when they enter the room. Some people make you happy when they leave it. <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to me. You, can still be, you can still be saved and tell the truth now. <laughs> you can experience addition by subtraction. And just because it wasn't your idea to be separated does not mean it was not a good idea, or better yet, maybe it's, it, it was still a God idea. It just wasn't your idea. Sometimes you can even mourn over things, things that are not real. I remember that, that there was a, a student in one of my classes, and he was upset the whole day. His little face was red, and he was mad, and I couldn't get to it, and I asked him, and he, could, he wouldn't tell me. And then later on in the day, I mentioned I was talking about the fact that he was in another grade, and he turned to me, and he said, what? He said, I've been promoted. I said, yes. He said, I thought you all held me back. He said, that's why I've been mad all day. <laughs> He was frustrated over th something that was not even real. And sometimes we have anxiety and frustration over things that seem like problems, but they're not even real. That's why the Bible says, watch out for any imagination that raises up itself against the knowledge of God. All it's trying to do is separate you from God's love. It's not real. It's a part of your imagination, but it's sent to separate you in your relationship with God. Somebody say it's not real. So the, the first thing that we, we have to do in, in drying our face is evaluating what God has said. God has said those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. So that means there's something in between. That means I cried for a little while. Uh, but I also, uh, but in my sowing and in my crying, something was developing out of that. And what was coming out of my tears was joy. But if I didn't stop crying, I wouldn't reap. It, it, oh, come on here. You, you sow for a little while, but you don't keep on sowing. If you, you have to stop sowing so, so that the thing that is inside can grow and then you can reap that which you have already sown. He's saying there's a time for sowing and, and there's a time for reaping. They put it another way. They said weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. It's only for an appointed time. And then it has to go. Somebody say it has to go. My weeping, my, 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 my tears, my mourning, it has to go. It's for an appointed time. And, and everything under heaven has an appointed time. But at some point, it has to go. Mourning is a situation that I go through. It's not my name. It's not where I live. It does not define who I am. And when we try to adopt something that was only intended for a certain time, we all get frustrated. We all get frustrated. When we have something that's only there for a point in time, you go to the store and get you some milk. And you might love milk. You might really enjoy milk. 
but it's only there for an appointed time. And if you let it stay beyond its time, it's going to remind you every time you open the refrigerator that it's time for me to go. My time has come and my time has gone. You need to let me go. And there are some stinking situations in your mind and in your heart right now that they smell every time you wake up in the morning. And God is trying to tell you by that smell, that putrid smell that's in your nostrils, that it's time for that situation to go. It stinks because it's telling you, just like the milk, let me go. And how many things are we holding on to in our life? And the situation is literally giving you all the signals that you need to know that you need to let it go. Point at somebody and say, let it go. It came for an appointed time, but it, it, it reaches the appointed time, but it then has to go. And this is what happens. When we allow things to fester for longer than they should, when we find ourselves in a place where God has left, he didn't abandon you, he abandoned the situation. You just didn't leave when he left. You didn't move when he moved. When you find yourself in those situations and then you are determined to stay there, you associate yourself with the wrong people. Your time has expired, but you then begin to pull other people in to your situation. You go to the gas station. Go to the gas station, you go into the visiting the gas station is for an appointed time. Most of the time it has signs to remind you of that. Those signs say no loitering. The no loitering signs means you can come in, you can get your gas, you can buy your products, but when you're finished, we need you to go. You're here for an appointed time. Don't stick around and then say, well, I need to get me a lawyer who will say that I can stay. It's not going to work. You're associating yourself with the wrong person because you're in a place where your time has expired. And it's ugly sometimes where you're in a place where your time has expired is because other people will realize you stink just like the milk before you do. <laughs> Other people recognize you stink, and you don't even recognize it. I had a friend telling me the other day, he's a Christian, grew up like we did. <laughs> I've known him almost all my life. He said he went through a backsliding phase. And when he went through this phase, Mama Linda, he said he, he experimented with cussing. He said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to cuss a little bit, show him, you know, I'm out here now. You know, we outside, you know. <laughs> I'm going to show myself. <laughs> Start cussing, and then he said one of his good friends pulled him to the side, and he said, he said, man, that's not even you. He said, that don't even sound right. What are you trying to do that? <laughs> he was in a place where he shouldn't have been. His time had expired. He was beginning to stink, and his friends recognized it before he did. Don't be in a place where you stink because your time has expired. It's time to go. Point at somebody and say, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to move from this place. The reason I'm not fitting in, I, I, I've learned my lesson from this place, and God is telling me it's time to go. You surround yourself with the wrong people, and 
Sometimes this is what we do, especially when we have our pity parties. I want you to think in your mind. Just close your eyes for one second. Who are you going to call when you want to have a pity party? Just think about it. Y'all all thought of somebody. I guarantee you did. You thought of somebody. That friend that tells you it's okay. That friend that says, you know, girl, I would have done that too, even when you did wrong. Come on now. You know, the, you know the people you call when you're wrong and the people you call when you're right. That's usually two different people. Come on, y'all, talk to me. I like, I like your silence, though. Silence means you're thinking. Hard to say amen when you've been hit. But you know that friend. You know in your heart you were wrong, but if I call them, they're going to make me feel better about myself. So then what happens is when you're in a place where your time has expired, you associate with the wrong people. And you're trying to get validation from somebody who will validate, oh, baby, you could go rob a liquor store, they're going to validate your action. Come on now. You got some people like that. And when you associate with them in a time where you need to move, you're pulling them into your problem. Just like Jonah. Jonah got on the ship going in the wrong direction. They validated him going in the wrong direction because that's where they were going. And they were fine until the storm came. <laughs> and the storm came and said, hold on, Jonah, I need to check your credentials. <laughs> we need to see what's going on with you, brother, because things were fine until you, you jumped on the ship. He was going to take the ship down with him by associating with the wrong people because he was in a place where his time had expired. He was in a place where he should not have been. And that's what we do. We suck other people in to our wrong problem, our wrong situation, our wrong thinking. When we don't move, when God tells us to move. Not a time for sympathy. You, you need your kick you in the butt friend. And if you don't have one, you need to get one. A friend that'll say, baby, I love you, but you need to get up off your behind and go fill out an application for a job. To get up off your behind because, baby, you wrong on this one. You wrong. I'm sorry. I love you, but you wrong. You need that friend in that situation so that it can help transition you from where you are to the place where you need to be. You need to make sure you associate with the right people, and they will help make sure that you don't stay in places where your time has expired. Because when you're in the wrong place, you're not the only person frustrated. Come on now. When you were in that relationship that wasn't working, the other person knew it wasn't working too. Come on now. They weren't happy either. They knew something was wrong. And you were holding on to something from which God has already moved on from. Sometimes it's your job. You keep complaining. And, and, and if you have a good friend, that kick you in the butt friend, be like, baby, either you need to get over it or you need to apply for something else. Because if you're stuck in a place that you're, where your time has expired, then maybe you need to make some moves to get to where God wants you to be. Remember, basically, what God was telling, that's what God was telling Samuel right here. He was saying, dry your tears, put your face on, and let's go. And women know you, you have certain faces for certain situations. You don't have to raise your hand. You have your church face. You have your work face. 
when you have your going out place where somebody might see you or you trying to be seen. You don't have to say amen. I know you got it. You got your going out dress where you think you cute. When somebody might see you, you put on that dress. Sister Teresa going to say amen for me. She got me. She keep it real. She keep it real. <laughs> It, it, you, it, it's different. When you say, oh, and, and don't let it be somebody who, who's one of your haters be there. You sure going to be five in. <laughs> Girl, I ain't going to let her catch me slip. Put your face on. You're preparing for that situation. And what God is telling you right now, in that place where you are, where your time has already expired, baby, I need you to dry your tears, clean up your mascara, Put your good face on, and it's time to go. Let me say it in the King James Version then. The King James Version of what I said was, fill thine horn with oil and go. Stop crying. Fill your horn with oil and go. It's time for you to move from the place where you are. And some of you are looking for tissues, and God is sending you oil. Ah, you want tissues to, to support the fact that you're still mourning, to support the fact that you can stay in the place where you are. God's not sending you tissues. He's sending you oil because the oil reminds you when you think of oil, you think of assignment. Ah. You think of anointing, you think of assignment. When God sends his oil, when he sends his anointing, his, his anointing comes with an assignment. Somebody say an assignment. God sending you on assignment. Fill thy horn with oil and go. Stop looking for that friend that's going to tell you to keep crying and keep mourning. And, and God's don't, God don't want you to have that friend. God's sending you oil. You, you trying to find a friend who will stay and cry with you. God's sending you an Uber. <laughs> he's sending you an Uber driver because he's telling you it's time to go. It's time to move from the place where you are. Somebody say it's time to go. So the first thing that God is, is telling us to, to get into the position to move from the place where we are is to dry your face. The second thing he's telling you is to take your position. Where am I moving to? I'm moving to a position where God desires me to be. He tells him, he says, I will send you. In the text, he's saying, I will send you, I will send you an Uber. I'm, I'm getting ready to put you on assignment. I'm sending someone to come take you from the place where you are to the place where you need to be. Because your prolonged mourning has caused you to be out of position. I want you to think on it. Is my obsession with what I have lost keeping me out of the position that God has for me? Is my possession, my, is my obsession with what I have lost. And we've all lost something, baby. And we've all cried over it. We're not, we're not, we're not rejecting the, the validity of your tears. We've all had that in our life. We all had loss. But is our, has our loss become an obsession? And has our obsession with what we lost kept us out of the position that God has for each and every one of us? See, Joseph, let me talk to you for a minute. Joseph didn't just lead. Joseph was a leader. Leading wasn't something that Joseph just did. 
Leading was who Joseph was. Joseph was a leader. And along those thoughts, while, while I'm saying that, I want you to consider, what am I? Joseph was a leader. No matter where he went, Joseph was a leader. He never mourned where God put him. He just led wherever he was. He was a leader when he was with his brothers. He was a leader when he was in Potiphar's house as a servant. He was a leader even when he went to jail, when he was in prison. He was a leader. Wherever he went, he was a leader. I'm going to talk to somebody today. You don't need credentials to be a missionary. <laughs> Not every position, oh, I wish you'd get this in your spirit. Not every position comes with a title. I need you to distinguish. You, you might be in God's position, but it might not come with a title. And because we seek titles instead of being in the right position, some of us are frustrated, and then we don't do anything. <laughs> God gave you a position, and you should be working in the position that God gave you. It's just that position might not come with a title. See, the difference between a, a, a person, this is the mindset of a person with a title, as, a, as the, mind, the mindset of a person with a position. When you're in a position, you don't mind doing anything that is in your area when you're in the right position. But if you have a title, you think certain things are beneath you. <laughs> Talk to me. See, I, I know some pastors, they might not go pick up the programs at the church. Because they are more enamored with the title than they are with being in position. Come on, y'all don't talk to me. They, they might not sweep the floor after church. Because they're more concerned with the title than they are with being in position. But when you're in position, when you see something that needs to be done, you just do it. I don't need a, I don't need a, I don't need a, you don't need to have to designate me the program picker-upper. I don't need a title. If it needs to be picked up, I'll pick it up because I'm concerned with manning my position. Oh, if it's wet in the foyer and I'm afraid somebody is going to slip, but if they come in the church, somebody find me a mop and I'm going to mop it up. You don't have to call me dad and say, you don't have to title me a mopologist. You don't have to give me a title. But I'm less concerned about the title and more concerned of doing what's necessary in my position. Somebody raise your hand and say, I'm in position. And whatever position that you're in, God puts you in that position. Oh, let me give you this. When God puts you in position, somebody can take your title, but they can't take your position. <laughs> Talk to me in here. You, you might, uh, they, they might take your title, but they can't take your position. Oh, baby, it, I, I don't, my title says Pastor of Bright Temple. One day it's not going to say that, but, baby, I'm going to still be preaching. Oh, Y'all ain't going to hear me. Uh, in, in fact, let me give it to you this way. People can take your appointment, but they can't remove your assignment. They can remove your appointment, but they can't remove your assignment. Talk to me here. Some of you all went to the salon before you got to 
church. You went to the salon this weekend. You got your hair done. Some of you men went to a barber and got your hair cut. There have been times that you got busy and you had to cancel your salon appointment. You had men, you had to cancel your appointment with the barber. But after you canceled their, the appointment, they still are a barber because that's their assignment. You might cancel your appointment with the, the cosmetologist, but you can't cancel their assignment. Y'all going to help me here. And the problem is some people think when they cancel their appointment with you that they also cancel your assignment. I wish, I wish you'd get that. They think because I canceled what I was doing with you, what, what, what you were doing, what we were doing together, I might have canceled the appointment, but they didn't cancel your assignment. Oh, there were some women who, their wives who were married before. And that first husband, when he canceled the appointment, he thought he canceled their assignment. <laughs> they were still wives, but they, they just weren't, that appointment didn't work out. So God continued their assignment and gave them another appointment. <laughs> in fact, let me tell you, this is how it works. If you tell the barber in enough time that you're canceling the appointment, you know what he'll do? He'll replace you with somebody else. <laughs> because you can cancel your appointment, but you can't cancel their assignment. And I need you to get that in your spirit because there's some people you mad at right now because they have canceled your appointment. But baby, don't worry. You can cancel all the appointments you have with me that you want. But you cannot cancel my assignment. <laughs> Point at somebody and say, you can't cancel my assignment. So I, I see, what, what I tell people is that if it's who you are, they can't fire you from that. <laughs> if it's who you are. There are some people whose position is teacher, and there are some people who are teachers. When you are a teacher, they can't fire you. <laughs> Talk to them. Because you're going to be teaching somebody. You're going to be teaching somewhere. If it's not here, it'll be somewhere over there because that's who I am. So then the question becomes, you need to find who you are because when you find out who you are, nobody can fire you. <laughs> I wish you'd take that with you. When you find out who you are, you can't, you can't fire me from who I am. Cancel all the appointments you want with me, but baby, you can't fire me. Somebody say it with me. Say, you can't fire me for who I am. That means, that, baby, I was blessed before I knew you. <laughs> I was blessed before I knew you. I was the head and not the tail before I knew you. I was above and not beneath before I, I knew you. So you can cancel all the appointments that you have with me, baby, but I'm still going to be who God says that I am. Somebody say, I am who God says I am. He told him to, he told him to fill thy horn with oil and go. But we don't want to, what often we do is by being out of position, we limit our exposure to what God wants us to have. Some of us don't have everything that God wants us to have. And we've limited our exposure to that because we were not in the right position. Sometimes, baby, it's as much, it, it, and sometimes it takes courage to step into your position. 
Because the devil keeps telling you that you aren't. And God keeps telling you that you are. You're everything I, I said you're going to be. And some of us stand pat because we're too afraid to step in to what God told you. I've given this example before, but one day I was at the movie theater with my brother, and, and we walked in the front door. And as soon as we walked in the front door, there was a line of people that were in line. And, and, and Andre said, what's this line about? I said, I don't know. Let's just step in it. I had enough courage and boldness to just step into it. I, I wasn't waiting on somebody to invite me, and some of you don't have what God wants you to have because you're waiting on an invitation. And God's saying, I need you to have enough courage just to step into what I said was yours. Somebody say, step into it. I stepped into the line, and at the end of the line, Sister April, to this day, I don't know why they were doing it. But at the, when I got to the, the person who, who was at the head of the line, they gave me a free ticket to the movie theater. Don't know why they did it. But I just took that free ticket, handed it to the clerk, and we watched movies for free that day. And the only reason we did it is because we had enough courage and enough boldness to step in. I, I came to tell you, somebody, there's a line standing right next to you, and God is saying, I just need you to have enough courage to step in line. Somebody say, it's my time. Somebody say, it's my time. So when you take your position, God said, I'm sending you to this place where I want you to be if you will simply take your position. And if you take your position, he said, I will expose you to something greater than what you have right now. But what I'm telling you is that the right position helps you to see it. Some of you are hurting right now because you slept in the wrong position. Talk to me. Some of you look at computer screens all day and your neck hurts because you're not sitting in the right position. I came to tell somebody, some of your hurt is simply because you're not in the right position. Somebody say the right position. Martin Luther King put it this way. He said, I've been to the mountaintop. Help me, help me, Deacon. And he said, I've seen the promised land. What he's saying is that as long as I was in the valley, I was not in the right position. But he said, as soon as I looked over the mountaintop, I began to look at the situation from a different position. And when you look at it from a different position, then you begin to see it. And what is it? It is what God is taking me to. I'm not there yet. He said, we're not there yet. He said, we as a people may not see it together. He said, but we as a people will get to it. We will get to the promised land. In other words, when you're in the right position, you will see things that have not happened yet. You will see things where God is taking you to. You will see things that God is going to make happen in your life. And I'm speaking those things that are not as though they were because I was in the right position. And I don't have it yet, but I've seen it. And because I'm seated, I'm not fighting for where I am. 
I'm fighting from where I go. And I don't mind fighting because I've already seen it. I wish I had help here. You wouldn't fight for where you are right now, but you'll fight for where God is taking you. But the only way to see where God is taking you is to stand in the right position. He said, if you were in the right position, he said, you'd fight for it. That's why Paul said, taking to thee the whole armor of God, that you might be able to stand in the right position. He said, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, I'm showing you something so you keep on fighting. He said, I'm taking you somewhere so you need to keep on fighting. Where you are right now is not your final destination. But if you stand in position, I'll show you where I'm taking you. And so keep on fighting. Somebody point at your neighbor and say, keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. I'm going to keep on fighting for where God is taking me. Because once I've seen it, somebody said, once you've seen it, you'll fight for it. Once you've seen it, you'll know that this is not it. Somebody say, this ain't it. I've been here long enough to know that God doesn't want me to stay right here. I know this ain't it. But I know the Lord will make a way out of no way. I'll keep fighting for where I'm going because it won't always be like this. Somebody give those hands together and give God some praise. Come on, everyone, stand it on your feet. Somebody say, I won't always be like this. Say, it won't always be like this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you two things and I'm finished. We were the eve of my wedding day. It was a snowy, icy day. Some who were there remember it. In the midst of that, one of the members of our party were driving to the rehearsal and their car slid into a ditch. After it slid into a ditch, it just happened to be that a good Samaritan was right there. And he had chains. and He was willing to pull them out of the ditch. But you know what? Sometimes we miss our blessings because it doesn't look a certain way. This was a good old country boy. He had a Confederate flag in his car. We were in the middle of the country. And if you looked at him, sometimes we look at situations and feel like that's not where my deliverance is coming from. But if you're desperate enough, somebody say if you're desperate enough. If you're desperate enough, baby, if you stuck on a if you stuck on an abandoned island and you've been there long enough, baby, it don't matter what the ship smells like. Come on, it don't matter how rusty it is. 
you're like, that's my deliverance. That's where it's coming from. If you've been there long enough, and some of y'all hadn't been there long enough, come on, talk to me. Got women talking about they want a husband, but they don't want people taking them to Cheesecake Factory. Come on, talk to me. That, they, that, they, that, that's beneath me. Baby, you ain't been on that island long enough. When you've been on that island long enough, you'll know what deliverance looks like. Come on and talk to me. But some of us, we're stuck because we're too sedated. We, our deliverance has to come in a certain manner. Samuel didn't escape that. You know in this story, Samuel, when he got his own horn of oil and went, where did he go? He went to Jesse's house. And he looked at David's seven brothers, and they looked more regal than David. And he was ready to pour that oil. And let's be real, Samuel would have anointed somebody else if that oil had poured. But God stopped up the oil. He refused to let it flow. In fact, when he asked, he said, Jesse, is this all your sons? He said, I'm, I'm confused because the oil isn't flowing. Jesse said, well, I got this old ruddy boy in the back, smell like sheep dung. Sings all these songs to himself while he's out there tending the sheep. I got him. Samuel said, I will not leave until you go get him. And soon as smelly, dirty David, with his short little ruddy self, stepped in the door, sure enough, the oil started flowing. Don't miss your deliverance. Don't stay where you are because your deliverance doesn't look like what you expected. Let me give you this too. If God has said, once I've seen it, that means I got to get there. I've seen it. I've been in position. I've seen where God is taking me. And if I'm there, not there yet, Sister April, I can't die. I can't die until I reach where God told me I'm going. I can't die. Point at somebody and say, you can't die right there. You can't die. You can't die right there. You don't, you don't have, in fact, let me talk to your spirit. You don't have permission to die right there. In fact, Elisha, you all remember the prophet Elisha. Elisha got so disturbed when Jezebel said, if, if by the end of the night, he said, I will do the same thing to you as you've done to my prophets. He said, I'm going to kill you in 48 hours. No, she said, this time tomorrow, 24 hours. By this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. Now, Elisha goes out in the wilderness and lays down and tries to die. Let's get it real. He said, Lord, take me. Take me, Lord. But he didn't have permission to die. In fact, while he's telling God, Sister Susan, while he's telling him to take him, he didn't realize that the 24 hours had already expired. So he's sitting there, what did I tell you? Watch your imagination. He's sitting there fearful and anxious about something that is not real. But God said, it's not your time. You want to die, but you can't die because you have to go to the place where I've shown you. Point at your neighbor again and say, you can't die right there. 
even if you want to, don't, don't try it, don't try it. You, you can't die right there. God said it. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. But whatever he said, whatever he promised, somebody say it with me, say whatever he promised, he's going to do whatever, whatever he said. Now, I don't know how many of you, I don't, let me see where my young people are. How many of my young people are into these Marvel movies? The Marvel, I see my brother Micah back there. He's into these Marvel movies based on these cartoons. And what I found out is that you know what usually happens at the, at the last scene of a movie? The last scene of a movie, Sister April, I, I'm used to them saying the end. But I watched a Marvel movie recently. And when the last scene was over, I was looking for the black screen that said the end. But what I found out later, after I got home, my, my sons had to explain it to me, is that they wrote this movie in multiple parts. So there was a black screen, it just didn't say the end. It said to be continued. And somebody out there, you, 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 you just, saw a black screen appear in your life and you expected it to say the end. But I came to tell you that's just a condition of your mind that was set up by the devil. But I came to tell somebody today, your story is to be continued. It feels like it's over. It feels like you've finished at your last scene. But God said it's not the but your story is to be continued. Somebody put those hands together and give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah! 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 The devil can participate in your story, but the devil can't write your story. The devil can't write your end. Whatever God is saying, it has to come to pass until it comes to pass. Your story is to be continued. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody say to be continued. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord, that comes to encourage us, your word that comes to instruct us, Lord, to move from that place of pity, to move from that place of mourning. Lord, our, our time for mourning in this situation is over. You said you shall wipe away all our tears. We don't have to stay here and cry. But Lord, you told Elisha, he said, fill thy horn with oil and go. Lord, it's time for us to take our position. Be prepared with the whole armor of God so that we might be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all, Lord, help us to stand. Because, Lord, when you show us it, <laughs> when you show us where we're going, 
Lord, you've also equipped us to fight for the place where we're going. Lord, don't let us have a heart to lay down and die where we are. But Lord, our story is to be continued. We must continue to pray. We must continue to believe. We must continue to fight. Because Lord, it indeed is not over until you say it's over. Lord, help us find that strength on this week that we might do what you've assigned us to do. Lord, people might cancel our appointments, but Lord, they cannot deny. Lord, they cannot void our assignment. Lord, until you say so, we're on assignment for the Lord. And you are equipping us every day for that which you would have us to do. Lord, we believe by faith the words that you've spoken over our lives. And Lord, we're going to trust you with it, even as we go through this week. And we're praying your blessing and your strength and your knowledge, your favor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you stand on God's promises. Believe and live. Again, I say live until God says so. God bless you until we shall see you again. hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line and in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.